0: I well, hope you're coming from a good week. I uh, hope you enjoy coming each week, like I do, and seeing kind of the progression of this project. We're getting closer and closer to being done, and I just wanted to uh, point to the fact uh, we were doing kind of the crunching the numbers this past uh, in the past couple of weeks of last year's giving in general. And wanted to point out as something that worthy of celebrating that, in the hit to my knowledge, and to people that have been here a long time, the church has never. Uh, given as much as you gave in 2014 towards anything. So we like broke new records in giving in general. So praise God for that and your faithfulness. You can give yourselves a, a hand. And we're getting closer to the end of the project this last week. It was kind of fun. I-, I came to some conclusions in this project as you unpack more things. I was like, you know what, I think it's time to do some new chairs as well. And so you're going to see on the, the, am I right in this? Did we get some good use out of this? Are we bad stewards or did we do all right with uh, getting use out of this one? Uh, We did uh, this past week. It's kind of fun. We ended up getting those all done. And look at this. Dun, 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 dun. All new chairs for the different classrooms here on the campus. So we're excited to have that done. And so you'll see on the, the back of the bulletin, there's a little bit as the, uh, as the plans finish, it starts to, anybody else notice this with your building projects? Uh, it starts to climb a little bit. So we're getting, getting uh, close to being done, f- close to final tally numbers. So the encouragement has still been the same as we've done all the way through. Just prayerfully consider, just if you'd like to be a part of helping us finish uh, this project. And thank you so much for your faithfulness uh, with that. Fun story with those real quick, that chair, that chair, uh, this, it's been kind of like working with the mafia because you find somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. Anybody else do this? And so we, John knew somebody that does chair, ha, has a chair business. We found this over order and they are supposed to be $110 each and he got them for $35 each delivered and like just all this fun stuff through this whole project. It's been awesome to see how God's provided, even through networking within our church, some great provisions. We had guys out here yesterday doing landscaping work, and so it's been definitely a team effort. But I could keep talking about that, but instead we'll dive into this uh, morning's message. And uh, as you'll see on your bulletin, we have a fun title for our current series. You can see it on the screen there, Wisdom. How do I stop making dumb decisions? And really, the book of Proverbs is so many just profitable nuggets for us on how to move towards wise decision-making. And this week, talking about the title, Friend Status, and uh, I, I don't know if you're like me, but with my kids, or when you were a kid, there's a heavy weight on making sure that our kids are choosing wisely who they surround themselves with, Right? Do you have that currently with your kids, or maybe you did during that season of life, or maybe if you don't have kids, you remember your parents with that emphasis. I remember when I was in junior high, I found myself spending a lot of time with a young man. His name was Jeremy Squeal, and I'm allowed to say that because he's across the country, and, uh, and I think in prison, in fact, uh, but uh, we, we ended up hanging out a lot, and my, uh, my, my parents would give me a hard time, like, hey be careful, I don't know if he's the best influence, best influence, and that friend ended up, we ended up getting caught, this is a little bit of confession time, shoplifting in junior high together. And so I remember the phone call home to dad having to come pick me up at the police station. I know, I know, this is in the past, this is in the past. And I remember that drive ho- home with one hand whacking me and the other driving. Uh, but then when we actually got home, I remember my dad's the way that he was dealing with it was twofold. One, he took every possession I owned except for like bare necessities and said, I'm going to give you back one thing at a time so you appreciate the things you have. I was like, "Oh, that was a good one. I'll save that one. Tuck that in the pocket for later," and uh, and then the second thing was, you can probably guess where this is going. You are not allowed to hang out with Jeremy squeal any longer. The squeal days are over. Like this was, this was the fin- that that was it, that's where it concluded. And really, the, the reason I bring that up is because we talk about it like it was such a big deal back then when we were growing up that it was so important that, we cho- that our kids choose wisely about who they spend time with. But if we really, if we're honest with ourselves, it's just as important for us today. It's just as important, our current friend status is a major shaping influence in our life. It's a big part of shaping our choices, our priorities, and even who we become. So who we surround ourselves with as adults or kids is key. So today our text we're just going to be in two verses, just two short verses. That doesn't mean the sermon's going to be short. But verses uh, twenty and twenty-one of chapter thirteen of Proverbs. So Proverbs thirteen twenty. You can start turning there, and we're going to be looking at this major theme, and you see this thread throughout the book of Proverbs, and that's really what I mentioned last week. Is Proverbs has some general ideas, but then it has specific things that it hones in on, and so we're going to this morning hone in on this idea of our friend choices, our companions. Let me pray, though, before we dive in. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this chance to be together and already celebrating you and putting the spotlight on you through song, through baptism. I love the picture of someone reborn, that the old self was put to death and born again in following you. God, I just pray for for Bailey In this service, and in Victoria, in the last service, God, I pray that you would reign over their lives, that you do mighty things in and through them. Thank you for this chance now to get into your word. We thank you for how practical the book of Proverbs is and speaks right to things relevant to us, even today, thousands of years later. We thank you and praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So if you can put your eyes on this, I'm going to start by uh, reading through the first two verses there, or actually just the two verses we're going to touch on. Proverbs 13, 20. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use one from the chair in front of you. It says this. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Disaster pursues sinners, but the righteous are rewarded with good. I want to break that down a little bit here this morning. In the first section that you see, the first takeaway or nugget I would point to is the idea of wisdom is contagious. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You think about in Hollywood how many films even in the last five years have been made about some kind of contagious epidemic breaking out whether they become zombies or they become apes or whatever it ends up being or, or complete annihilation of the the planet or Hollywood is obsessed with the idea of some kind of a outbreak or something being contagious and you think not just Hollywood but you turn on the news and in the last year what have we seen what happened with the Ebola? Like that's a a panic. Panic passes through our our communities, through our culture. The idea of something being in in the air, something that can be caught, something that that's contagious. And now, most recently, what's in the going through our community? Measles, right now. My kids, we went a little different route with the shots, and and so they didn't have the measles shots, and so they're getting letters from school saying, "Listen." If there's a measles outbreak or if there's any measles in our school, you can't come back to school for 21 days. So my kids are cheering on the <laughs> measles epidemic. So they're praying for more measles in our community. So we're, ho- we're trying to counterbalance ba- that with appropriate prayer. But, um, but, but this idea, it's something in our culture, usually something negative. Now, the reason I talk about that, you're like, where are you going with this? The reason I talk about that how would things turn drastically different if we turned on the evening news and you started hearing that there was an outbreak, something contagious, called intelligence? What if you could catch intelligence from just being around people? What what if you what if you could catch athleticism? What if just by being near athletes, like that's why I I try hanging out with Dave, like I'm hoping that it rubs off on me being around, or or what if you heard that, you fill in the blank, that that wealth was contagious, or how about this one, weight loss was contagious. You'd be like, yes, this epidemic, I can get behind, I support this, but here's what I'm pointing to, and I make light of it, but it's serious. Solomon is saying that wisdom is, is contagious if you hang out with wise people you will catch what they have is that a cool thing to stick to to grab hold of and and put in your hat like that's such an important truth to cling to if you hang out with wise people it's contagious it starts to spread you 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 it, it rubs off on you now notice in the text it says whoever walks with the wise So it's not a casual encounter. The idea of walking with insinuates the idea of doing life with or spending a significant amount of time. It's not in a conversation that it gets passed from one to the other. But when you end up surrounding yourself with wise people, it starts to rub off on you. You start to take that on. You adopt that for yourself. Think of how often you've heard somebody talking about just their life, and they're like, you know what, I was, just making, I was just in a rut of making one bad decision after another bad decision, and then I met, fill in the blank. They met this person, and things started to change. It started, I, I, I got connected with this group, or I plugged into this church. You've all, we've all heard those stories of how the ripple effect of one person starts to shape another. Wisdom is contagious, I love, that's one of the things I love about the leadership of our church is we have a, a group of men in, in, in the role of elders that we spend time together and them sharpening each other and I love that not trying to solve everything on my own that you have men that are seeking the Lord and really pursuing wisdom themselves. With this truth in mind, it, it should make us start to ask some questions. Most, most likely an important one would be, how do I leverage that truth? How do I leverage that truth? I'd propose a couple questions we should ask ourselves. Uh, Who am I spending a lot of time with that I shouldn't? Who am I spending a lot of time with that I probably shouldn't be spending so much time? That's a a fair question. If this is the truth or reality that's out there, that wisdom is contagious, so who am I spending time with that I shouldn't? And take that another step. Who should I be spending more time with? Who do I know that, you know, when I'm around them, there's just there's wisdom, there's something that comes from, from, from rubbing shoulders with that person. Because the truth is, casual friends are a result of chance, but close friends are a choice. Casual friends is kind of a chance. thing. Hey, are we just cross paths? We're, we're, we're spending a little bit of time. But who you choose to really invest in and, and develop a relationship with, that's a choice. And we need to make wise choices because there's a lot at stake. Look at the next section. It says, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. And I titled that section, Others' Foolishness Can Impact You. Others' foolishness can impact you. remember some years back, I was leading a, a team, a missions trip over to Northern Ireland, and it was a pretty cool experience. I describe, if you haven't been to Ireland, I describe Ireland as kind of, you have a picture in your head of what Ireland's gonna look like, these green rolling hills and all these fence post kind of standing brick stuff all over. And, and it looks exactly like that. Like the picture in my brain, I got there and like, this is exactly what I picture. That's great. And, uh, and so we had a wonderful time there experiencing the culture. But one of the things that we did, we did an outreach event up in, uh, the northern part of Northern Ireland, where they had one of those road races with the motorcycles that they go through towns and around, and it's crazy to watch. But we had all these different stations and outreach things planned for this uh, huge race. It was a wonderful time getting to point folks to Christ. And uh, at the end of it, we were with a team of maybe 15, 20 uh, people. At the end of it, on the, the, the trip home, they had the director of the organization there said You know what, the, the guy that was supposed to drive you back. Isn't available, so I need you to drive the group back. I'll give you real clear directions. Thinking to myself as he's saying this, I'm like, well, I remember the drive up here is really windy, mountainy roads. Then I started piecing together the, a few things that would influence this. Also, you drive on the opposite side of the road, another issue. Also, it was a big, wide bus. Also, it was stick shift, and I had to learn with my left hand instead of right. So a lot of factors in, in this drive back. And I started realizing on that drive there that in that culture, no one had to ever explained an important principle to them. When you get too close to someone moving the opposite direction, you need an appropriate level of space to remain safe. Does that make sense? Well, when you're getting close to somebody going the opposite direction, it's important you gotta figure out how to create space in order to remain safe. And that's what he's pointing to in this text here. He's saying if we're not careful, if you get too close to the foolish person, there's some repercussions to that. There's some things that happen, and two that I would point to, the first one I, we already talked about is you begin to adopt similar behavior. The second one, you'll, you may be hit by the shrapnel from their poor choices. You may be hit by the shrapnel of their poor choices. The first one, as I said, we mentioned, you, talk to, you think about it, that's a running theme in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, cautions us, do not be deceived, bad company ruins good morals. We begin, if we're not careful, we begin to gradually adopt the characteristics of the people that we're around. I've noticed that even with my wife and I, we not, not necessarily bad, but any characteristics. You start to kind of become your spouse. Anybody married realize that or notice that? You start to take that on because in the, in the bad sense of the expression there, is you start getting a little bit more calloused where the things that used to offend you start to be, yeah, that's just part of who they are. And that's just, hey, that's a, that's just that person. And you start to get more and more comfortable. And before you realize that, not only are you making excuses for them, you're starting to take it on yourself. That's why it's a dangerous thing. I had a job one of my summers in uh, at, at college where I worked at a, through Manpower, which is a job placement company. I was working at this company and it had the like the regular eight to five job, but you had the 15 minute breaks. And I remember they had a break room at this particular company. And it shouldn't have been called a a break room because really it was a gripe room. Like everybody would come together and it was just a bellyache fest. Like everybody airing their grievances with management, talking about this. Oh, the cafeteria food's terrible, this and that. And every single thing was always negative. Have you ever been in one of those job environments? I remember just leaving there just exhausted, almost like just physically worn out from the negativity And I even realized myself, I started going home and just kind of being down and grumpy and grouchy. I'm like, man, I can't be around that environment because why? Because it's contagious. So that's a first caution there, but I would propose that here, that that's not even what it's talking about. It's not saying that the companion of fools will become a fool. It's actually saying it's warning against the second thing. They will suffer harm. The negative ripple effect of the foolish person's choices the negative ripple effect of the foolish person's choices is what you're going to suffer from if you think about it the wise person i'll explain this a little bit what i mean by that the wise person understands that life is connected yesterday's choices have shaped today's reality can you even point to that in your own life you think about that and they understand the connection there they understand that today's choices are gonna influence tomorrow's reality, right? That's that's what somebody realizes if you're wise. But the foolish person on the flip side doesn't realize, they, they live as if today is unconnected to tomorrow. How often have you been around somebody that you're just like, didn't you think through that? Didn't you think through that choice and the effects of that you're killing me here. Like, what are you doing? Like, why are you making those choices? That's the foolish p- person doesn't make that simple connection between today's choices and tomorrow's outcomes being the, the product of those choices. And so that's why being around the foolish person, they might they might have a general understanding of right and wrong. God's placed a conscience on every single one of us. He's given us that and, and framed it in our our, our very being, but, they might come to the conclusion, I just don't care. I just don't care. How many of you are around people that are just like, I don't really care what the outcome of this decision. I'm doing what I want to do and when I want to do it. And here's the dangerous thing about being around that foolish person is if they don't care about their own finances, health, family, purity, reputation, the list goes on, I'm probably guessing that they don't care about yours either. There's an important thing for that, allow that to sink in for a second. If they don't care about themselves, what what is that rooted in? That's rooted in what we talked about last week. It all starts, wisdom starts, knowledge starts with the fear of God. Somebody that just doesn't care, they're like, hey, I don't care how, how this influences somebody. I don't care what God thinks about my choice. I don't even acknowledge that he exists. And so that's a dangerous place. And so we shouldn't be shocked when we're spending time and rubbing shul- shoulders with people that are foolish, that are making foolish decisions, that we're gonna suffer, that we're gonna get hit by the shrapnel of that person's choices. I have a, a uncle that was in, business. He had a business partner and they were in some kind of a financial situation where uh, they were working with other people's uh, money. And you, you you hear these stories all the time on the news and he finds out that his partner has been embezzling money from tons of clients, that they're both working under the same umbrella. And so it all comes to surface. Guess what happens? They both go to prison. It's their company. They both are, car- carry the weight of it, even though uh, from his defense, he's like, I had no idea that was even happening. The shrapnel of choices of foolish people influences ourselves. That's what the caution is. Others' foolishness can impact you. So again, this isn't the call. Don't hear me this morning saying like, you know what? Then I can't be around anybody foolish. Well, that would, you'd be uh, alone uh, a lot of the time. But I'm not calling us to a separate, a separatist existence. I'm just saying caution. And what does it say? The companion. Companion's a key word there. Because companion points to the idea that arms are linked, that you're, that, you're, that you're same as the wisdom thing, that you're actually doing life together. It's one thing to have people that you interact with that you know they make poor decisions, but you're not gonna sit down and, and, and work through your, your deepest, darkest question with them and try to solve life issues. Like, no, that's, that's, you save that for a godly, wise companion. So being cautious of who we're spending time with. The next thing that it points to is the second half of the the second verse is I I would describe this section as sin results in disaster. It actually says disaster pursues sinners. Let's be first clear on what it's describing there as sin. Sin is anything outside of God's protective parameters that he set for his creation. And so I I, I think of that as as anything outside of the guardrails that he has in place. You hear us talk in church a lot about guardrails. I, I thought it was interesting, the former pastor at the church that I was at, he used the term, James McDonald would always say, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Choose to sin, he had made the connection between those two things, and that's an important thing for us to understand. You think of what happens when we go out of God's parameters. Think about just in, in terms of just sexual stuff. All the, the pain and suffering that comes from man and women's choice to go outside of God's boundaries within that. Whether it's unwanted pregnancy, broken marriages, disease, abortion, abuse, and even now making the news more and more often, sexual slavery in our own country. It's crazy to think of the perversion and the brokenness that comes because of going outside of the boundaries that God has put in place. I find it interesting it doesn't say that disaster is likely for sinners what word does it use there disaster does what pursues that idea of something chasing after you have you ever talked to someone where they're just like man it just seems like there's this like oppressive cloud that follows me around from like one disaster to the next and and, and I'm not saying it's always the case that 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 they that it's because of a sin issue but man I'll tell you what when you break it down a lot of times it's like oh well that was That was a poor choice there. That was a bad choice there. And you're like, you move from one disaster to another. That picture is pretty vivid and clear there. The idea of it chasing you, pursuing you. And disaster really falls into two different categories. Disaster is both external and internal the external we all see we see the broken marriages we see the financial ruin the falling apart businesses we see the family feud you see some of, you see a lot of the external stuff and a lot of times that's where somebody kinda of gauges whether they're in the middle of disaster or not they're like well all those things seem to be doing all right but i would propose that disaster is also internal internal disaster where your your personal world is is just in chaos your heart has gotten cold and hard you've gotten more and more callous to sin you your 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 parameters for what you allow and what you accept has gotten broader and broader that's disaster in a spiritual sense slipping into depression a hopeless mentality that's disaster and that's what we're warned against here says disasters pursues sinners I prefer the alternative the second part of the of the verse there says but the righteous are rewarded with good I put it down right living is rewarded the righteous is often defined as right living and that's I would propose as part of it that's an important part of it but let's be honest if that were it none of us are righteous right None of us are righteous, not any single one of us. Scripture is real clear about that, about none of us. We all fall short. So righteous has to do with right standing before God. Righteous has to do with right standing before God. That means that it's not my righteousness that I'm covered with. It's his righteousness that I'm covered with. Because I'm, if I'm basing it on me and I'm just saying like, well, you know what? Right living, it's gonna work out okay. Uh, hey, that doesn't work. It's going to keep failing and failing and failing and failing but the beautiful thing is is the choice that we've made to if we've made that choice to embrace Jesus death as payment for our sins then we're covered with his righteousness so when God looks down he's like, I don't even see you anymore I just strictly see I just strictly see Jesus wrapped around you that's the awesome truth of the gospel message so before we could even talk about right living, we have to be make sure that we have a right standing before God. Does that make sense? Can you delineate between those two? So right living then starts to become part of our reality. When you're wrapped in his righteousness, then all of a sudden you're like, hey, I want to get in line with that. I want to I align my life with that righteousness. I want to enjoy the good life that exists within the, bra- the boundaries and the parameters that he set. That's right living, but it has to start with a right standing. What does he point to? He points to that, the, that they're rewarded with good. But you remember, here's an important thing to understand, because I mentioned, this, I mentioned it last week, is sometimes you're like, man, I'm, I have right standing with God, I'm making right choices, but man, I just keep, I keep running into disaster after disaster. Here's the, the, the thing that I pointed to last week, is that's why these are principles and not promises principles, not promises. It's more likely, if you're living right, that things are going to go better for you. But it's hard to explain to the Christian missionary in the Middle East that like, hey, good's coming. You know, like you're going to be rewarded when when, when they're uh, under assault and persecution. But here's the thing that I think is important for us to remember about rewards, is sometimes we get messed up with our understanding of rewards. We start to think of what the, the world points to as rewards. What if reward is Christ. What if reward is Christ? What if he is the reward in all of this? What if it's not about like, oh, okay, I'm gonna be rewarded with this possession or this good relationship or this? What if he is the reward? But the righteous are rewarded with good. He's the reward at the end of the line. I think it's an important thing to remember when we're thinking through our decisions and who we spend time with Man, there's a lot of, at stake here. When you're talking about either disaster or reward, you're like, hey, th- that tells me that this is a pretty critical decision that we make. So I would propose, just as we're wrapping up here, that there should be some appropriate boundaries, if you will, if you, if you think of guardrails in the, that sense, that keep us on the right track with the right relationships, keep us on track with the right relationships. The, think about it, what, a, what a, a boundary or a guardrail is. It's usually on a road. It's usually to protect between two lines of traffic. It's usually to protect you from going off a ledge. You think about, uh, or going onto an on-ramp. I remember in high school, I was distracted by a friend going onto an on-ramp, not realizing that there was a curve and uh, coming, coming to meet the guardrail. That was fun. Uh, but one of the things that I like it with guardrails nowadays is they've started to put these little things in the road, those little bumps where, don't you love those? Where you start getting closer and closer and you go, hid, 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 hid. and you're like, okay, I need to wake up back on the road. Okay, hid, 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 hid. I need to get back up. Like th- those, that's a gift for us. Nobody would complain about those guardrails. That's an awesome thing that they've created. So what I'd propose is that there's some guardrails in our relationships that should trigger our conscience, little bumps, if you will, that should say, hey, stop, you're getting into a dangerous zone. I want to go through just to conclude four just, some of them might be considered common sense, but sometimes common sense escapes us. Uh, Four different guardrails, if you will, that your conscience should tell you, oh, you're getting too close. These are adopted from an article by Andy Stanley. The first one is this, our conscience should light up when our core group, the, when the core group you do life with is not headed in the same direction. Now, I was, I was thinking about that. That seems like common sense. And you're like, oh, that's a, that, that's a starter thing. But think how often we start spending time with groups of people and you're like, you know what? they don't really have my same heart for this. They don't have my same passion for ministry. They're not, they're, they're not at the place that I'm wanting to be, the trajectory that I'm wanting my life to go. It should ring a, a buzzer in our minds to say, wait a second, maybe I need to rethink these relationships. Maybe I need to rethink whether this is helping me grow, helping me move in the right direction. That's an important question to ask doesn't mean necessarily to abandon everybody in our current relational circle but if it's a toxic relationship maybe that is the, the right thing it might be the best gift that you could give to that group of people so asking asking yourself are they headed in the same direction important things that's why John is up here talking about life groups hey get around some people that are digging into God's word and maybe they're not perfect but they're one to uh, they're wanting to move in the same direction. So that's one of the things that should trigger our conscience. Another one, our conscience should light up when, when you're with people, you feel you need to pretend or be something you're not. When you're around people where you feel like, you know what, I've got to just act different to feel, uh, feel comfortable around these people. I need to change my behavior to, to align with it. Now, now that, that can be a good thing if you're hanging out with other, with the believers that you're like, hey, I need to get better in this. That's one thing, but I'm not talking about that side of it. I'm talking about when there's stuff where you're like, you know what, when I'm around there, I feel like there's too many compromises, too many adjustments that I need to make. I I feel like, I I know I'm not totally crazy about just trying to chase after money, but I know when I'm around that person, I start kind of moving that direction. I know, uh, I'm not, I know I'm not really into drinking much, but I know that, man, when I'm around that person, I, I'm pulled that direction. I know that, that uh, you, you fill in the blank. You get, you get the idea with that one. This third one, conscience should light up if you're creating a defense in your mind for your behavior with that person or group. If you know that's a problem is when your mind is starting to make excuses like, well, this is if if someone ever heard that we were together and doing this, this is this is how I'd explain it. I would rationalize it this way. I would explain it as, well, I was I was just there for the uh, for the ambiance at Hooters, you know, like I just I love their wings, like you know, like no. Like, like they're, they're, you, you start thinking through that and it should send off some triggers in your mind that wait a second, this is, this is ding, 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 ding. I'm getting close to the guardrail. I'm about to hit. Those are important things, not just for kids, for adults as well. Last one, conscience should light up if your compassion is causing you to compromise your wisdom in relationships. Let me explain what I mean by that. Compromising your, when your compassion starts moving you to make poor choices where you're like, well, I just, I just feel bad for this alcoholic. So it's, I know it's my sixth night at the bar, but uh, in, in a row, like, uh, or, or the missionary dating thing, like, the, that, we, that we can buy ourselves into, like, when we start to compromise, our wise choices are like, you know what, under the umbrella of compassion, There needs to be a separation, that's what we're talking about, an appropriate gap between the two. That doesn't mean just walk away from everyone, that's saying keeping appropriate boundaries. I remember when I was starting in uh, student ministry, actually young adult ministry at Willow Creek Community Church, remember an older pastor was pulling me aside and he said, hey, here's an important thing for you to remember working with the young adults. He's like, they don't need another best friend, they need a pastor huh, interesting. In other words, they don't need somebody to just sit and play video games with. They need somebody that's gonna speak truth into their life and challenge them, encourage them, draw out stuff from their lives. They don't need another buddy. They have plenty of those. And what I would propose, take this appropriately, that sometimes we can spend time with people thinking that, hey, if I'm just their buddy, but wouldn't it be better if we were actually the healthy go-to person in someone else's life? Hey, sorry, it's not going to work out for me to join you at the, at the club this Friday. Not that any of you are necessarily doing clubs at this stage of the game. But uh, not that I'm going to join you at, at the club, but I would love to grab coffee this week and just hear about your life and family and what's going on. Do you see the difference in that? It doesn't, a lot of people are like, well, Jesus hung out with sinners. Yes, but he's Jesus, one. But an appropriate thing is... Uh, uh, but two, it's not saying that he partook and joined in what they're doing. There's appropriate boundaries that we need to have in place to be protected and to be wise with this. So guardrails the, the, that we talked about, that one's a, a key one, not allowing ourselves uh, to, to be in situations where our, our compassion is causing us to compromise our, our wisdom. It's nice to be the, the go-to, the healthy person because the, sometimes the best thing you can do for somebody is to say, all right, it's best if we're together a little bit less. That's gonna be good for us both. So here I would love, just as we're wrapping up our, our, our time together this morning, to do just a little bit of assessment, a little bit of friend status, if you will, inventory. Assessing through who am I surrounding myself with? Who, is there some people that I need to pour more time into? Do I, do I need to choose to redirect this whole, whole, whole core group of people that I'm, I'm around? Is there some the relationships that need to maybe uh, go more by the wayside and some other ones that need to get elevated? I think this is an important caution of wisdom that God's left with us. And here, here's what I caution us against is you can have something that maybe came to mind in this message, something that you're like, yeah, that's probably, I need to make that adjustment. That's probably not the best business partner. That's probably not the right this. You might have one of those. But what I've realized is in sermons and messages, if you don't make a resolve, then... If you don't come up with a resolve then, you're going to just come, go right back into the exact same pattern afterwards. Like there's going to be no change. It's going to be like, oh, just it to the pile high, mile, uh, mile high of, of knowledge that I have. But instead making the choice to make some resolves, even today as we're in this last song together, saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make some better choices. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invest in this relationship. I know that person's really sharp and godly. I want to find more time to be with that person. Or, or, or you, you fill in the blank of what that relational status adjustment that needs to be made. I'm so grateful that we have a, a God that's uh, caring enough to speak about these things, about foolishness and wisdom and, and why it's so important to surround ourselves with the right people. It's, in my mind, it's an act of kindness and sovereignty by Almighty God, right? That he's, cons- that he's concerned about even those particulars in our life. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for that, that fact, that reality, that you are concerned about this, that you do link, like a wise person does, that today's choices do impact tomorrow's reality, that the people that we do surround ourselves with do rub off on us, that wisdom is contagious, that foolishness does lead to disaster. God, I just pray that you would help us grow in this area. Thank you for your grace and your patience with us in this. Thank you for your mercy. We thank you for the only way we can even talk about righteousness here this morning is because of your work on the cross. We praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I think uh, the hope here is that you're not taking the wrong message away. I'm not talking about not engaging with the world around us. I'm talking for us to do some serious inventory about our core group, who's the closest to us, the people that we're drawing from, the people that we're investing in. So my prayer is that we make wise choices with that because it's key, it's a shaping element in our life, amen? If there's any way that we can be praying for you this morning, we'll have a few leaders available here at the front. Otherwise, I pray you have a fantastic week in the Lord. God bless you.